here at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you would like to contact us, we can be reached at 647-2627. Our speaker for today is Pastor Jerry Wagner. Pastor Jerry Wagner, better known as Pastor Jerry, was raised in Boisier City, Louisiana. He is the youngest of seven children and the only Seventh-day Adventist in his family. He attended Southern University in Collegedale, Tennessee, when it was still called Southern Missionary College and he graduated in 1979. That is all I'm going to say about him at this time. Pastor Jerry will be sharing more of his personal story in his sermon. Before we hear from our speaker, we will be favored by a sacred selection from our prayer and share group that meets each Tuesday morning. Then, the next voice you will hear will be that of Pastor Jerry Wagner. Hear ye him. Spirit of 
Well, I am so happy and so honored to be here today before your folks. Amen. You know, it is fantastic to get old, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that seriously. Amen. I know so much more now than I did 69 and a half years ago. <laughs> and I was so honored to have the invitation to come here today. Because God has been good to me. Amen. And I really want to share Him with you today. Like I say, I'm 69 and a half years old. Look at these old hands. I'm not on. I should be. It's on red. Well, I'm going to have a hard time toting this public around with me because I have a hard time staying still. <laughs> Try it one more time. There, now it's going. Oh, there we go. All right, now feel free. Well, I entitled this sermon today, Born to Be Somebody. Amen. You know, only God knew 69 and a half years ago that I would be here today. I had very little to do with that. Before I was born, when I was conceived in my mother's womb, God had a plan for me. I didn't know about it. And it took him 32 years to develop that plan. But I grew up in Northwest Louisiana and I had a good life. Dirt poor. I was the baby still am the baby of my family. We didn't have much, but we had a loving mother and a loving father who took care of us children. And we lived and we walked. See these old hands? They climbed the many trees. You know that? These hands have picked a lot of tomatoes. And some of you won't believe this here, but these old hands have picked cotton. I can remember the sticky part when you run your hand and they get the cotton. Oh, it hurt. But I kept working because I wanted to go to the movie house and that's the only way I could get there. <laughs> Those were the good old days. And like I said, I grew up just a happy kid, enjoyed my childhood. Wasn't always the boy my mother wanted me to be or God wanted me to be, but we don't need to talk about that today because we got God to talk about. So as I grew up, did my time in, after I got out of high school, did my time in the service, ended up working for the uh, fire department as a professional fireman there in Bossier City, Louisiana. I didn't know God. Didn't really care if I knew God or not. Even though I did go to church for the first 11 years of my life, 
The only thing I learned in church, and this was a Methodist church, it wasn't their fault. They was teaching, but I wasn't listening. And I loved going to the church house and cleaning the church house. That's all I remember out of those 11 years I went to church, but I enjoyed it. I have been an Adventist now for 37 years, and no one will ask me to be a deacon. <laughs> I even volunteered at a couple of churches. Well, let me tell you how God brought that little baby with those tender little hands to this guy here today. What an amazing journey. And you have been down the same road or you wouldn't be here today. God is working in your heart. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And he cares for his children, all of us. Well, I'm just going to jump right into when I was a firefighter there in Bossier City. I was single. I didn't get married until I was in my 30s because I had seen so many of my school friends get married and have so many troubles that I didn't want that. I wanted to enjoy life. <laughs> so as I did so often when I would get off work at the fire station, I had a friend, he owned a restaurant and next door to his restaurant was a bar. So I would go there every now and then and I would eat supper and then I would go next door and I would have a couple of beers. Well, this one particular night, I did exactly that. I went to, I had a nice supper, went next door, sat down with, his name was Sammy, and had a couple of beers. It was only Sammy, myself, and this strange lady in the, in the bar. So I've always liked people. You like people? Man, I just love meeting strangers, don't you? So I invited her over. Now, this wasn't anything personal. I don't know how I can say this nicely, but she wasn't something that you want to take home to mother. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to her. Like I say, these old hands have been a lot of places. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, sir. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> anyway, we sat there, and yes, you know, I bought her a couple of drinks, and I got up and went home. That was it. Well, the next night, I found myself back at the same place, which I didn't normally do. I went back and had supper again, and Sammy says, man, surprised to see you here two nights in a row. I says, yeah, I just thought I would come back. And we went, I went next door again. Guess what? That lady was there again. And so I invited her over and just the two of us, Sammy, he went back next door to take care of his restaurant. It was very slow business that time of the evening. And she started talking to me. And she says, Jerry, I... I would like to ask you to do something. But before I do, I want to prove to you that what I'm telling you is the truth. I said, well, what are you talking about? Now, 
I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the devil. Only you two things about the Bible. Uh, God flooded us once. He can burn us up the second time. <laughs> that's, a, that's all I you. So <laughs> she says, um, would you take off your jacket? Now, I'm going to do this here. And normally, I use some young eyes to do this here. But tonight, tonight, today I'm going to ask some older eyes because we got good eyes too, right? <laughs> We've seen a lot in our days and a lot to come. She says, um, you know those warts you have on your arm? I says, yeah. What had happened when I was a kid? A cat scratched me right down my bicep right here. It left a scar. And for all those years, little warts would come up along there. And I'd get compound W, and I'd put them on there, and they'd go away. And then in a month or so, they'd come back. She says, uh, let me see those warts. And I thought this was kind of strange. But like I say, I like people. And I was pretty gullible a lot of times. So, oh, all right, I'll show them to you. So I rolled up my sleeve. And I'm going to ask you. I should ask the 101-year-old lady back there. <laughs> now, do you see any warts there? Or do you see a scar? No, no scar. How about you? No. I'm going to get a man's opinion. <laughs> what about you? They were gone. Not only the warts, but the scar was gone. I just got that chill. I always get that chill when I tell this story. I said, <clears throat> well, what does this mean? <laughs> she says, well, now I, remember, I wasn't a really a bad guy. I, 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 I drank some more than I should have. Uh, on my days, nights off in the fire station, I was a bartender, you know, and, uh, and I had fun. I, I guess you could say I was a happy sinner, <laughs> unfortunately. She says, with Jerry, she says, I'm a witch. I said, a what? A witch. I said, go ahead. <laughs> and she, she says, we would like for you to join us. You know, I didn't know what to say. I says, well, I've always been a joker, too much. And I, guess, I said, what are the benefits? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you need to ask these things. They're pretty important questions. Well, she did make me a bunch of promises that sound really good. And then I was convinced this woman was telling the truth because I asked her a question after that. I said, well, how did I join? She says, well, on a full moon night, we meet up here in Bean's Pasture. I knew where that was. And uh, we, we get together and we have initiation and we all sit around a circle and we drink blood. You know, I had Bloody Marys before. <laughs> and I said, you've got to be kidding. 
And, she, you know, she was, I was getting a little serious then. And I, I, she says, well, normally we drink human blood, but we can't get that now. I says, well, what do you use? She says, we use cow blood. And when she said that, I was convinced because I worked right across the street from the police department and they've been investigating these cows about once a month they would find dead with all the blood drained out of them. And, and nobody, they didn't let the ewes out. You know, hardly by in town, you except a few of us firemen in the police department. I said, you're the ones that have been killing those cows. <laughs> she says, yes. All right, now, now here's a, a little Louisiana boy who loved his job, wasn't too bad, and I turned to her and I said, listen, I don't know, I don't go to church, I don't read the Bible, but I'm not gonna follow the devil, and I was up and out of that room. Amen. Well, it wasn't over. About two weeks later, one of my fireman friends, he was married and we was really good friends. He called me, I said, can we go out and, and uh, kind of do the town tonight? He says, my wife and I, we're having troubles. I says, oh sure, come on over. So he did, we went out and then we probably drank too much. So I said, Charlie, would you like to meet a witch? Now, this is really his exact word. He said, I might as well, I live with one. <laughs> Not my words. His words. And so I said, let's go down to Sammy's place. And okay. So I never really expected that woman to be there. She didn't work there. She was just there two nights. So we went down and went in the place. And sure enough, she was working there. You know, the devil, he, he knows us, don't he? Yeah. So she came, I invited her to the table, and she sat down and I bought her a drink. And I said, um, uh, prove to Charlie that you're a witch. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, come on, you, you did this to me. She says, I'm sorry. You, I have no recollection what you're saying. So in a few minutes, Charlie got up and went to dance. On the dance, was dance out there anyway. And I said, why won't you prove to him that you're a witch? She said, because we don't want him, we want you. <laughs> oh, does that make you feel good? <laughs> so I said, what, what would it take for you to prove that you're a witch to Charlie? She said, you have to promise me that you would join us. Now, I didn't, I wasn't a, a big liar, but I didn't always tell the truth either. <laughs> so I promised her. When Charlie came back to the table, I says, okay, Charlie, she's gonna prove who she is. And she did without a doubt. She started telling that guy things I never heard of. He'd been married, this is his third wife, he started telling her, uh, him, his first wife's name and why they got a divorce, the second wife's name and why they had a divorce, and the third wife and why they was having trouble. 
he grabbed me. He had more sense than I did. He grabbed me and pulled me out of the place. And we got in the car. He was just shaking, and we were both sober. Wow, folks. I didn't know what was going on at this time. I didn't know that God was working with me. I knew the devil was after me. Just like it says here, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And do you know what devour is? You ever had a hound dog? You ever threw him a biscuit? It's gone. It's gone. So, I gave that a lot of thought. Now, I'm going to jump about four years past that, okay? Because a lot of things happened. By then, I was married and had two children. And every once in a while, I had many run-ins with this witch in between. And every time I did, she would come up and she'd say, you promised. And I'd say, I don't care what I promised. You know, leave me alone. But I won't go and send the stories there because we got children here. But anyway, so I was at the fire station one night and we slept, it was seven on duty at one time in this one station. I worked at Central Station most of the time. And you would get so keen to listen. We had bells then up on the wall that just, you know, when something came in the bells would go off. And I got so used to listening for those bells, I could actually hear the hammer cock before it hit the bell. That's how light you get where you get sleeping like that. Well, I started having this dream. Now remember, I didn't know God, but this voice started talking to me. I instantly knew it was the voice of God. It was something there. It was going to those church for that 11 years. It was my mother and my father's upbringing. I didn't know him, but he knew me, and I recognized that voice. Like I was sitting in here today in Sabbath school, and there was classes all over the place. I could only hear the teacher's voice. Pretty amazing, huh? And then he told me a couple of things. He says, Jerry, I want you to find a church. I said, yes, Lord. I mean, I said, yes, Lord. I didn't even know it was one of his names. I said, yes, Lord. Then he told me something else I'll tell you about in a little bit because I didn't remember that after I woke up. Well, it wasn't a dream. He says, well, I got to go now. I said, no, Lord, please don't let me. Tell me more, tell me more. And I found myself setting up in this bed when on the bunk bed, it was five more guys or six more, four more guys sleeping in this room and we were just arm lengths apart. And I was, you know, I don't know how to say this, but you don't want your friends to know what you're talking to God because it would be, you know, you know how it is before you know God. And, and especially when you're cool, you don't want people to know you're talking to God. <laughs> So I looked around and nobody was awake. So I said, come on, Lord, please. Let me. He says, I'm sorry, I gotta go. So I got up out of bed and I went in the front room of the fire station and I sat up all night long to make sure it wasn't a dream. 
I went home when I got off work the other day and told my wife, I said, you know, we got to start going to church. Well, I'm sure she said, praise the Lord. <laughs> so we did. We started looking for churches. And we started visiting different churches. And, and the strange thing, most churches I went to, I mean, I went to probably maybe 10 different churches. Several of those churches, when I walk in, they say, oh, you must be the speaker for today. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> no way. And I would always come up with something, and then I started asking a question. And where I got it from, I don't know. I said, can you tell me how old the world is? Oh, brother, no, nobody knows that. Only God knows it. I said, surely somebody should know how old the world is. No, we, we can't know that. So I went in and out of churches for probably two or three months. And then one day, at this time, I was a, uh, I think I was the car driver. You know, I love the fire department so much. I, I love my job. So I studied what they called the red books. That would teach you everything about firefighting. And I would make great grades on all the tests. And when time came, you know, everything was by seniority. And if you passed the test, they would promote you. So I had moved up from firefighter to truck driver to car driver to radio man, whatever. And I would do release driving for captains around it. When they would get sick or something come up, I would go to the other stations and be the captain of the day or whatever. So we got a call early one morning and one of the captains out at number five fire station got sick. So I went out there and it was one of these stations that you didn't see much action. You know, firemen don't like that. We like action. So I was sitting out in the porch kind of on the edge of town station, I seen these two guys come up the street, and I recognized them. They was either salesmen or pastors, you know. So they walked right up to me, and I was sitting there, and they says, uh, can you show us, tell us where this certain street is? So I said, yes, just a couple blocks down, take a left and whatever. They said, thank you, and then they handed me a brochure to some meetings, and I looked at it, and I says, okay, thank you. Well, when they left, I threw the brochure in the trash, even though I was looking for a church. But I had been to some meetings uh, by Gardner Ted Armstrong. Is he the younger one? And when I went to those meetings, it was everything but what I wanted to hear. And I won't go into detail. I just got up and left. So I didn't want to go to any more public meetings. But... Um, so I just threw it in the trash. Well, when I got home that day, which was all the way across town, which really wasn't that, them days it was a long ways, but since I moved to Vegas, it wasn't anywhere. It's probably about five miles across town. My neighborhood is almost that deep. But anyway, I got in the house and hadn't sat down long, was having one of those afternoon thunderstorms. Uh, a lot of you probably from the south somewhere, you know what I'm talking about. The wind blows, the garbage can swap neighbors and everything, and everything was raining. And No, I heard the doorbell ring. And I thought it was the lightning. A lot of times when the lightning, your telephone would ring and your doorbell would ring. And then uh, it did it again. I said, it must be somebody there. So I got to open the door. Guess who was there? Those two guys that I just met across town. Guess what I thought about? The witch. She's found me. 
And they said, can we come in? I said, no, can you come back tomorrow? And it was raining hard. Normally, I would never do that. And I just shut the door. <laughs> These guys were good. Next day, I opened the door. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> I would make up some excuse, you know. Can you come back tomorrow? Four times they did this. Now, when we was talking about going out and knocking on doors now, we need people to give Bible studies. Remember, at least four times, give them a chance. And maybe Jerry Wagner's inside that house, scared of the devil. So I finally let these guys in. And they introduced themselves as two Seventh-day Adventist pastors. Man, I, it, I had met an Adventist before. I met three of them. One was my brother's mother-in-law, which I didn't, only thing you she did, she wouldn't let us come roof her house one Saturday to help her out. We thought that was strange. Then I met some in North Dakota. So these guys come in, and they put out a letter, and it's from these folks in North Dakota. They just wanted to, she said, we got an invitation from these folks to come visit you. I said, well, great. He says, I am looking for a church. He said, would you like to come to these meetings? I says, no, I'm not going to meetings. But I go to church. He said, well, there's a little branch Sabbath school right here in your neighborhood. I got the address. It was right across the street from one of the fire stations. That Saturday, we went to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That was in 1974. You haven't been able to get rid of me since then. But it was an amazing thing. I went in and I said, we've been visiting churches. So I used a routine. You, you know, I had two kids. We walk in, we find the, the nursery and we it always be some teenage girls in there and we give them their names and then we go into church service. So that's what we did. We walked in, walked in, I seen a nursery. They was renting a Lutheran church. And I seen a nurse, so I went down and opened the door and just so happened there was two teenage girls sitting in that room. And I said, well, this is Alice, this is Katie. And I told them who we were. And they took the kids in. Do you know we'd done that for probably all that year because I wasn't baptized until 75. Those two girls were skipping church. But they made a point to be there every Sabbath that they knew we was going to be there to watch our kids. We was the first visitors that church had ever had. And they was going to take good care of us, whatever it took. So the first day after it was a, you know, we went there, it was a branch Sabbath school. So they was having Sabbath school class because I didn't know what it was. I thought it was church, just different. And, uh, I asked one of them, I said, can you tell me how old the earth is? Oh, sure, it's around 6,000 years. I said, well, how'd you know that? How'd you know that? What's in the Bible? I said, oh, <laughs> would you like Bible studies? I said, you bet. They, these folks had never given Bible studies before. They got together that week and set up on for a Wednesday night for us to come to their house to study the Bible. I mean, they didn't want to lose their first customers. Mm. So we made arrangements to go down to their house for Bible study. It was the following week. We went in, and it was about, I guess the whole church there, probably all nine of them. 
<laughs> and we, we sat down, and they, and they agreed, you know, had a little social time. Then they said, well, let's, let's get in a circle and kneel down and pray and hold hands. I kneeled down. I told my wife, I says, you grab Alice. I grab Katie. <laughs> See, I never told her what was going on. I was too cool to tell her that I had talked to the devil and to God. I said, and, and as soon as something happens, let's get out of here. I just knew that the devil had me in this house. But when the guy who prayed, oh, Father who is in heaven, oh, I felt so good. <laughs> and he had a, a Christian prayer. And so we started going to Bible study. And then, of course, the pastor, you know, boy, he was a good pastor. He, he's, he's at my door within a week or so. And he would come over and study with us during the week. And then we would go to Sabbath school and church. And then we'd go to Wednesday night studying. So we were really getting into this, this Christian stuff. And, you know, going to church on Saturday, it didn't bother me. It didn't matter what day of church I went on. So that was no problem. Well, we went... All that year, and at the end of the year, around uh, November, I, the pastor was there, and I said, you know, we've been through a lot of studies now. And I was feeling pretty good because when I went in there, I didn't know where Genesis was or Revelation or anything. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And now I could actually find a few books and was learning a few things. I said, you know, can, what would it take to join your church? Because the other churches I went to, they were ready to baptize me the first time I came. And uh, he says, well, you know, we, we, uh, we really wanted you to know God and know the Bible. Um, and he says, besides, the Jerry says, you have a couple of problems. I said, I don't have any problems. And, what are you talking about? I had been trying to quit smoking for about three years because I think my oldest daughter was about three. I never wanted my kids to see me smoke or drink, and they never have. He says, well, you smoke and you drink. I said, well, what's wrong with that? And he explained it to me, you know. I said, that's no problem. But yeah, I've only been trying to quit for three years. I said, well, how can, how can I get over this habit? He said, well, we can have a prayer and ask God to take the desire away. We knelt. We prayed. He prayed, I prayed. I got up. And I was convinced I was going to quit smoking and drinking. Now, I know this doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of people. I had a hunting trip planned in two weeks. We went up to this hunting camp. I stayed in the lodge. I never even got my gun out of the car. And, of course, I drank and I smoked for two days. Never even got drunk. I couldn't. I went home that Sunday afternoon, and this was in December 1974. That was the end of my smoking and my drinking. So I tell the pastor, I tell the congregation, I'm ready to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I was baptized in January the 18th, I believe, of 1975. That little baby which that God had a plan for. Now he was made me somebody. I became a Christian. 
Ah. Oh. So it was about two weeks later. We only had two uh, adult males in the church. One was getting transferred. He was in the Air Force, and the other one didn't want to take any part in leadership. And they asked me, see, do we was just a, a branch uh, company? We became a company by then. And they asked me to be the church leader. I said, you got to be kidding. I have never asked anybody to put me in leadership of anything, not until this day. Well, the pastor, he was this pastor, he just so happened, this was my fourth pastor in about three years. And it wasn't my fault, they just didn't stay long. Anyway, he knew Mrs. White. He knew her sons, her grandsons. He had seen the angels, light from the angels, dictating to her up there in Elthaven. What? You know, God had this plan, folks. He was 86 years old, sharp as a whip. And this guy really taught me a lot. So he convinced me to be the church leader. Well, I was sitting in Sabbath school class one morning. And this lady was a member there, but she had a sister who lived over in Shreveport. Shreveport and Bossier are only divided by a river. And every now and then, this lady from Shreveport would come over. Her name was Billy. And she would tell, talk about what Mrs. White said. And I was sitting there, remember, I'm baptized. I'm the leader of the church. And I asked the question, Billy, the next time you come, why well, don't you bring this Mrs. White with you? I really like what she has to say. Oh, did it get quiet. Nobody said a word. And so the next week, I think, I got something in the mail. It was from the voice of prophecy of someone, and it was a little paper 45 record. You ever seen a paper record? And with a book called Treasure's Chest. I listened to that record and I told her, I said, you know, I'm not going to go to church with someone who has a woman for a leader. I guess I didn't realize she was dead yet. And and so she said, well, why don't we just at least look at the book? Then when I started reading the book, I realized I mean, she'd been dead a few years. And I got to read more. And I said, this woman, she has to be a godly woman. And I got more of her books and I read her books. I said, everything in here points to the Bible and points to God. So then I really became a follower of Ellen White, the Bible, and God. God first, Bible second, right? Right? And I keep it that way for all these times. Well, God wasn't through with me yet. Then I started having dreams about being a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. I says, no, Lord. I am a happy fireman. I wanted to stay right here and go to this church and work it. I was, I was writing articles for the paper already because what I was learning, I thought my whole town should know. 
So I was writing articles and paying for them to go in the paper. But I said, no, no, Father, I, I don't want to do that. Well, the dreams kept coming. Finally, now, now this has been, you know, we've been to church, we've been baptized, and I finally decided I better tell my wife what's been going on with my dreams and my visions and talking to God and talking to the devil. So I did. I told her everything that's been happening for the last few years. I said, now I need to really pray tonight. So I did. And I got out. We was living out in the country. We was following all the things I was learning. We moved out nine acres in the country. And uh, I was praying. Now, the voice, the audible voice didn't come back, but the in-house voice, I guess you say, started talking to me. And it says, Jerry, you remember the night at the fire station when I told you to be two things? I says, yes, Lord, I do remember. He says, I'm now going to reveal to you the second thing. I want you to become a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Woo! That's heavy. Because see, I believe then and I believe now we have the highest responsibility on this earth as leaders of God's church with the truth that's going to lead us down to the end and into eternal life. I bleed it out of my heart and I didn't want to do nothing. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I, would, I would do what you ask, but you're going to have to put me there. I said, because I just couldn't believe that he was asking me, this little Louisiana boy who grew up climbing trees, walking on dirt roads, swimming in bayous, all these things to be a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So I said, I will do whatever you send, but I don't want to go. So it was, uh, you know, you, you check in these, and I said, well, what do you have to do? I, I didn't even know we had colleges and things, you know. So somebody... Uh, I started asking around. I didn't tell anybody what the dreams were. I didn't tell anybody what I was thinking. But I said, do we, don't we have, do we have colleges somewhere? Said, oh, yeah, we got one over here south of Fort Worth. So I go check it out. Didn't like it. So I went back home and said, well, that's that. This guy in church comes up to me. Name is uh, Hayes Rodriguez. I think it's, I got his name right. He said, Jerry, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I, I feel real impressed that you should uh, go to Southern Missionary College. I said, why should I go to college? He says, I don't know. He says, but this just came. Uh, he says, they have a course there. It's a very special course with guys about your age and with special qualifications that you may fit. I said, hey, you, who told you? He says, I don't know. So I called him up, and sure enough, they interviewed me on the phone. His name was Dr. Douglas Bennett. He was the head of the religion department for many years. He says, yes, we do have a program like that, but how do you know about it? I said, well, one of my church members told me about it. He said, but it's a special program if a conference sees a potential person who wants to, to take the shortcut to the ministry they have to recommend you and send you here with a guarantee of a job. I said, well, I don't have that. I, but can I come talk to you? 
And he says, well, sure. So it just so happened about a week or so, I got an extra day off. I had three days in a row off. And I went to Tennessee, and I sat down in his office and talked to him. And he says, fill out these papers. I fill out these papers. And when I got home, he said, well, he told me, he says, probably not a chance of the board accepting this. But when I got home, he calls me, and he says, Jerry, you're in on a special program. And I was honored, but I wasn't happy. Because I wanted to, I, I like being a fireman. It's fun driving those fire trucks and, and cars and, and things. So, by this time, I had became, well, I had a Sabbath problem. I know they say it's okay for firemen to work on the Sabbath, but it wasn't for me. So I kept getting people to work for me, and finally it came down, and I told the fire chiefs, come to find out, he was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I told him my dilemma, and he says, I do understand. I said, um, he said, let me see what I can do. Well, he called me back in a few days later. He says, the job just opened up in fire prevention, arson investigator. Would you be interested? It's a five-day-a-week job. I said, you bet. Well, I went on vacation. And I was supposed to be coming back to take that job. When I got back, now, I don't know if you know city, city politics too much, Someone else had got wind of what was going on, and they knew the mayor better than I did. So they went over the fire chief's head to the mayor, and they got the job. But I had faith. I said, okay, Laura. I said, chief, can I just take the day off without pay? He said, that's a lot of money. I says, I know. He said, but you, we'll make a rain. You can take, it was every third Saturday. He says, you can take it off. Never been heard of doing anybody taking a day off like that before. I had two shifts off. And the guy, one of the guys in fire prevention, the head of it quit. Now, I was qualified to take his job because I had passed the test and had the seniority. But they didn't offer that job to me. The next day, the chief calls me and says, you're in. Come on over. And I became uh, one of the arson investigators there in town. And I, but, So this is when all this was happening. And the about the school. So I, I planned on going to school on the January of 70, 78, yes. Not wanting to go, I said, well, Lord, there's a problem. I live out here, I need to sell this house. I had just bought nine acres with a mobile home on it, planning on building the big house. I already had the plans for the big house. I already had a guy who's gonna help me build this house. Matter of fact, he was gonna build it, I was gonna help him. I said, I need to sell this place. I says, and I got to be at school by January the 1st. Put it on the market. It sat there one month, two months. It was in the third month. It was only three months. I had another prayer with God. And I don't advise you doing this here. But I said, listen, Lord, it's, the house is not selling. You have until, I don't remember, a certain date to sell this house for exactly what I want or I'm not going. And it was getting close. Matter of fact, my partner in the fire, in the fire uh, uh, arson investigator, he was my partner, he offered to buy it from me, but he didn't want to pay me as much. 
The realtor you about this, the whole fire department you about this prayer. By now, I was boasting. I was telling people I was a Christian and that I was working with God and what God wanted in my life and what I wanted in my life. So everybody knew about this. It came down the week before, Christmas week. I got a call from the realtors. Uh, Jerry, somebody would like to look at your place. I said, you got to be kidding me. You only got three, I think, four days left. I said, you can't close a house in four days. Can they look at it? I said, well, sure they can. So he calls me back the next morning and says, Jerry, they want to buy your place. I said, now listen, you know the deal. It has to close by 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon before sundown. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And I just had never, this, this couldn't happen. But it did, just to make it short. It did. The day they called me and said, can you meet us at the lawyer's office? This was Christmas Eve. And I was really busy and reluctant. I said, you know, I'm really busy. I don't think I can come over there at 4 o'clock today to sign these papers. And about that time, the fire chief stuck his head in my door. Jerry, take the rest of the day off. It's Christmas Eve. I said, I'll be there at four, uh, what is that, two o'clock, I think. We got there, and in those, in those days, you sit around that table, you had lawyers, you had real estate people, and the buyer and the seller all around this table. And we started signing the papers, then the lawyer said, wait a minute, where's the money? And I looked, where's the check? He was asking, well, we don't have a check. Well, you got to have the check to close this deal and this, this guy said to his wife, and they was from West Virginia, he says, honey, show it to him. She opened up her purse and started bringing out the little package that looked like peanut butter jelly sandwiches and you know how you wrap them in tinfoil? And started passing them down the table. Boy, all of our eyes was looking, and so the lawyer kind of carefully opened one up. It was full of $100 bills, $24,500, exactly what I was asking for. The battle was still on. The lawyer, he started a case of, wait a minute, I'm not touching this money. This was back in the days when drug money was first starting. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking the same thing because I had been in a, an arson case involving the mafia. You know, they even threatened my life and everything else. He says, you got to go to the bank and get a cashier check. You got 15 minutes, because I had the deadline. I was, I was timing them. They had to be out done by four o'clock. Well, to make it short, they did. They walked back in, had the check. We signed the deal. We walked out, got in our car, and the sun went down. Well, the guy calls me up. Uh, well, can we move in? I says, well, no. <laughs> he says, can I move in Sunday? He says, we have no place to stay. I said, well, let me call my mother. <laughs> you know how we do that, call the mothers. I said, can I move in with you Sunday for a short time till we can uh, move up to Collegedale? She says, well, sure. So we moved in Sunday. I said, well, I talked about what about all the furniture? I got to get the furniture. He says, I just buy the furniture. 
He bought all the furniture, almost everything. Not everything, but almost everything. We, we kept a bed or two or something like that. And I says, okay, he paid me for that. And my two or three days went by. He calls me up and says, can you come out? I, I really need to talk to you. And this is the kicker. So I go out. He says, you know, we, we're from West Virginia. And just so happened we came into some money unexpectedly. And he says, so we wanted to live in Corpus Christi, Texas for some reason. So we was driving along and we got lost. Now they really got lost coming to my place went from where they was going because it was down off of two roads and make another turn down the back road. Really beautiful area, but it was hard. You know, you almost had a map to get there. And we were driving along and we seen this sign in front of your place saying for sale. And we called that number and before we know it, we own this place and we don't want to live here. Do you know anybody wants to buy it? <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding. So I was convinced that God wanted to move me from fighting fire to fighting fire. Let me get you. It was a great promotion, believe me. Now, I'd love the fire department, but I've been in a ministry now all these years, and I love the ministry. Man, it's such a pleasure to serve God and, and knowing that He's in charge of your life. It's, it's not that... I don't goof up every now and then like we talked about in Sabbath school. But I know the devil was after my soul. But you know, he's after yours too. Don't ever forget that. He's waiting, hopefully outside that door, not inside. Saying, come on, come on, I got you, come on. But remember what God has done in my life. And that's why I love sharing this here. Like I say, I'm 69 and what? A half. Not 70 yet, but I'm planning my party. <laughs> we, we moved to Vegas four years ago, four and a half years ago. <laughs> when I first came through Nevada, I wouldn't even stop in Nevada. Because I was a Christian then. I would drive all the way through. I don't care what time it was, just to get out of the state. Went through here, went through Reno. Wouldn't even spend the night there. Wicked towns, right? <laughs> but good people. So, when the Lord put upon us to come to Vegas... And it was through circumstance. He, know, he knows me. He knows how to work me. God does. And I like that. He knows what it takes to get my little brain, you know, doing what he wants me to do instead of what I want to do. So we end up in Vegas. And I just love it here. You know, it's a few warm days. You know. But we've enjoyed it here. Now, you know, the Lord may ask me tomorrow to go somewhere. He knows the way to get me to do it. Okay? And I know he's right every time. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, these meetings. I'm, I'm enjoying what's happening here in Vegas. And I've seen something happen here in four and a half years. It just thrills my heart. We 
My wife went to a meeting Thursday night. There was 13 people there, but almost every church in the valley was there. Could you believe that? <laughs> Talking to each other like brothers and sisters, planning work together. You know, this valley is going to come alive because you folks have got it together. Man, that just thrilled my heart. You know, we've been a lot of things happening this year. And my heart goal is to see this valley, the lay people working together as one driving force under God's guidance. There's about 3,000 or so Adventists here. You can do a lot of work for God, but you got to do what the Scripture says. Get it together all in one accord under God, guided by Him, letting the Spirit move you. Listen to that voice when it talks to you. Oh, this is a wonderful time. And, you know, like I said, I never asked to be a leader. I never asked to be a pastor. Never asked to be an elder. Never asked to be this. Never asked to be that. But, you know, God puts people at the right time where they should be. And now, I don't know how I ever ended up the president of the Las Vegas Seventh-day Adventist Pastors Association. <laughs> 